In fact, we're getting ready to start today our series in Le of Lent, Lent, our Lenten spring series. So I start out with a question. And the question is, why is it that you do what you do? You, you don't have to answer it, but I want you to ponder that for a moment. Why is it you get up in the morning? Why do you roll out of bed, get dressed, and get up and leave your house? Some of you obviously might have to go to work and things like that, but why is it you get up, right? There are things we do that we really sometimes don't understand the significance or the opportunity that it presents ourselves. Some of us, you know, we have traditions, right? For example, why is it that we celebrate Christmas? Is it about the gifts that we give or the gift that's already been given to us? Right? Like, yeah, but, but we may say okay to that second part, but you're one of those that goes crazy buying gifts for everybody. You go crazy putting up a tree and lights, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but these are traditions that we engage in. We have to know why we do them, right? Why do we come into a, a, you know, a building to do church when the first churches were outdoors and in people's homes? Like, wh when did that begin to happen? Why, why do we do that, right? You know, and, and then why do we take communion? Right? It's a million-dollar question. Why, why do we do communion? See, these are traditions that we participate in that we don't really understand, and sometimes what we do is we gloss over them, and I'm concerned that this Lent season may be the same thing. For some of you, it's probably the first time you're listening to Lent, but if you grew up Catholic, you know that Lent represents a time where you went to the church, stood before a priest, and he put some black stuff on your forehead. You didn't even know what it was. You didn't know where it came from. You just did it because it was a tradition that you were practicing. And I'm concerned that sometimes we participate in these traditions but don't necessarily know the significance or the opportunity that it presents for us. That's a big deal because during this time, this Lent season, first of all, it started Ash Wednesday, which was the 17th of February. That's when it started. And it runs for 40 days, not counting the weekends, but 40 days leading into the second most significant day of Christian faith, which is Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, resurrection Sunday for us, right? Like, like it's not just Easter for us because when you talk about Easter, some people think about a bunny rabbit, right? And eggs and all that stuff. And, and that's all well and good, but for us, we understand that it's significant, just like Christmas. The birth of Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, without them, there is no Christianity. That there is no faith. Where would we be without Christianity when everything emanates from? When you study religion, you realize that everybody borrowed from this. So, so I want us to be able to go into this season understanding what it means. And we've gone a step further. If you've walked in, there is a handout that was given to you. And I want to put it at the very beginning. This handout is given to you so that throughout these 40 days, you don't only spend your time um, um, taking care of your personal business, but that you're also allowing yourself to spend time with Jesus Christ. 
So we've put together, and if you go to our website, rhowbk.org, I got to do this at the beginning because I'm, I'm going to do it at the end. I'm going to do it in the middle because what we're trying to do as a church is to make sure rhowbk.org. Uh, Liz, can you open up just for a moment the actual uh, devotional so that they can see it on the screen as well? Um, so... If you, if, you, if you can do that, it would be great. If you can't, then everybody should have a handout. Um, I think John is going around. If you don't have one, please raise your hand because this is for you to understand that during this season of Lent, there is an opportunity that presents itself. Amen? And, and, and we want to make sure that this opportunity doesn't go by the wayside. So the Lent season starts, it's 40 days, it comes out of the chapter 4 of Matthew in which Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to fast and pray. It was a preparation of his ministry, so he was spending time with God, he was fasting, and, and of course we know the story that when he comes out of his fast, and normally when you come out of a fast, you're hungry, that's not unusual, and Satan shows up to try to tempt him with food. Right? Try to tempt them with glory and power, things that he already possessed. And the way that he was able to refute Satan was through the word. Through the word. So we prepare this for you so that you can have it that throughout the week, every single week, that we preach a sermon from this pulpit during this series, we want you to engage in this devotional. We want you to spend time reading it and answering the questions that are there and memorizing the scriptures to help you and support you during this time because here's the opportunity that Lent presents. The way it is celebrated is that people take the ashes and then it's not only identifying their faith, but also it's, it's their time to practice penitence, fasting, and giving something up. Giving something, I was talking to someone earlier before I got here, and, and it was saying, hey, my kids, you know, are doing Lent with us, and, and they're giving up sweets. And rather than asking for candy, they want an apple. And I'm like, praise God, brother. Praise God. Right? Because here's what I want you to do. Because as we talk about what is it that we want to give up, we have to know why we're giving it up and for what we're giving it up. Everybody understand that? You, you have to know the why you're doing it. And, and I want to be mindful because sometimes we take Lent and giving something up and try to connect it to our New Year's resolution. And, and I'm, not, I'm against resolutions, but 80% of our resolutions that we make for New Year's, 80% are done two weeks after New Year's is over. And the reason is because it's not based on God. It's based on you. It's not anything that's going to bring glory to God or create greater intimacy with God or a deeper relationship with God. It's all about you. I want to lose weight because the summer's coming around and I want to make sure I look good. Come on now, don't leave me out here by myself. All right? Right? So, so, so we have to be mindful. And again, what I don't want us to do is to allow this 40 days, this time of devotion, this time of prayer, this time of memorizing scripture, this, this, this moments of reflection where we look within ourselves. 
Now, I started my process already, and what I've done, and I'm grateful for the last two weeks before I got here because the pastor talked about idols. And I was able to that which I was giving up to connect it to an idol that was hindering me from greater intimacy with God. Come on now, I'm going to repeat that. There was something that I've already given up that I've said to myself, wait a minute, this is connected to this sea, which means that I'm going here for comfort rather than going to God for comfort. Does everybody see that? So I've identified it. I've given it up. I'm asking God for the strength. I'm asking God to help me. I'm asking God in this process as I pray to let me run to him for comfort. Does everybody understand that? Because that's how I smash that idol. Right? I, I get rid of it and I run to God. So this Lent season for us, guys, when you start thinking about what you're going to give up, and, and it's okay, whatever it is, if it's social media, listen, let me tell you something. If there is something you can't get back. You know what that is? Time. Time. You can't get it back. So for you people who are aging, just age gracefully. If the gray's coming in, get some hair color, whatever it is, right? Do what you got to do, right? For those who are going bald, I can't help you. But um, if your hair is going gray, then it goes gray. But just be mindful that time you take, you can't get back. You can. And social media robs you of your time with God. It robs you. Like, honestly... Right? None of you set a timer for social media. You don't. You don't say, I'm going to be on for five minutes. <laughs> and my phone will go on for five minutes and I'll shut it off and that's it. No. You click here, you click there, you click there, you click there. Before you know it, six hours. Six hours. So whatever it is that you're giving, you have to know why. I'm giving this up. What? Because I want to get better with God. So we're going to give up something good for something greater. I'm going to say that again. We're going to give up something good for something greater. I'm not saying social media is bad because, hey, I told my kids, go do your research. Get on there and do it, right? But at the end of the day, I'm going to give that up because I want something greater. And the greater part is my intimacy with my Lord and Savior. Right? The Lent season is not just about ashes. It's not just about penitence. It's not just about fasting. It's not about giving something up. I'm giving something up because I want to get greater intimacy with God. I want to get deeper relationship with God because ultimately he is the sustainer of my life, the provider of my life. He is the one who keeps me. He is the one that protects me. He is the one. Listen, he is my everything. And until you get to that place where Christ is sufficient for you, you will reach for other things to satisfy that need in you, that the one that gave you that need was God. Bible talks about our hearts being uh, a place, eternity in our hearts, because there's this longing that we have, not only to live forever, but also to strive to be with God forever. Because we're all going to live in eternity somewhere. You can't decide later, people. You have to decide now. True story. I minister to my mom regularly, and in the very beginning when I'm ministering to my mom, my mom is what we call a Catholic who never walked into church. Um, but, you know, she has all the saints, and she had, you know, this any big white Bible, 
right? If you grew up in a Spanish home, there's this big white Bible that just cracks open at Psalm 23, right? And then there's a rosary, and there's a candle, and there's a cross, and there's a beautiful picture of a blue-eyed, blonde-haired Jesus, right? But as I started visiting my mom, I realized that in the garage, she had an altar. And at the altar of this, it, there was uh, St. Saint, Saint Lazarus, the one with the crutches and the dogs licking him. Come on, don't act like you don't know, people. All right? Right? He, he, she had a money plant. She had a Buddha. She had a cross. She had all of it. And I said, Mom, what is going on with that? And you know what she told me? Slick as she is, she says, I want to cover all bases. <laughs> all rogues don't lead to heaven. As I ministered to my mom, I was able to come back two or three months later, took her into her Bible, her Catholic Bible, and showed her Jesus, and showed her what it meant. And I took her to Exodus, and I said, Mom, you can't make idols and this and that. Three months later, I came back. That altar was gone. That altar was gone. And everything is Jesus now. Everything is Jesus now. Thank Jesus. Thank Jesus. It got so crazy with her that, um, you know, I said, Mom, did you talk to Jesus today? She said, I talk to Jesus every day. I, I said, Ma, that's great. You talk to Jesus every day. I said, Ma, you know, you, she said, I talk to Jesus and Mary every day. I said, Ma, I understand Jesus, but Mary, you know, we, we you know, she, it's a funny story. I don't know why I digress. But she named her birds Jesus and Mary. No, no, that's what she talks to her every day. So I asked her, Ma, you talk to Jesus? Of course I talk to Jesus. She talks to her birds every day. And I'm saying, Ma, you got to talk to Jesus. Okay, how do I do that? Do you realize that there are people who don't know how to do this? There are traditions. Some of you here don't really know why you take communion. We explain it, but you don't really understand it. You don't understand the opportunity that I present for you now. Lent for us, for us, so that we know, is an opportunity for us to open our hearts to Jesus. It's an opportunity for open our hearts to seek greater intimacy with him, to have a deeper relationship with him. This is out, and this is, again, for the next five weeks, we'll be speaking on generosity, on repentance. We'll be speaking on fasting. We'll be speaking on what it should be like for us so that you understand why you're doing what you're doing. And we want you to kind of think and ponder about it, guys, because the reality is there are things in your life that are keeping you from the fulfillment of your potential in Christ. It's keeping you. Maybe it's your unbelief. Maybe it's doubt that you're struggling with still. You know, and, and, and you need to go deeper and further and read for yourself and allow the word. Some of you are hanging on to other people's words rather than going into the word yourself. And as a church, we've created this so that you can see it and you can use it and you can practice it. There are questions for you to answer. There is scripture for you to read. There's a fellowship that you should belong to, a community in which you're able to discuss this. If you have a Bible study, you should have these conversations. If you come to our men's group, we'll be having this conversation. If you go to the women's group, you should be having this conversation. Because at the end of the day, you're going to gloss over this time. You're not going to realize the significance and the opportunity that's afforded to us for greater intimacy with God. And it's so important these days that we push in and lean into God more because I got to tell you something, it gets harder. It gets harder at times. I mean, if you guys have seen the news, Texas unexpectedly now has temperatures that they never had before. Never had before. 
Homes that were built for the summer are crumbling because they weren't built for the winter. Pipes are freezing. People are, uh, people are online. And what you're seeing, once again, what the ugliness that shows up is the disparity between one race and another. Shows up and God reveals it to us because we are out of sight, out of mind. Not in my backyard. Let them get theirs. I got mine. That's not Christianity. So this deeper relationship, this greater intimacy, what's going to begin to happen, guys, if you do this correctly, is that God is going to see you. His, he's going to show you his heart. Mm. He's going to show you his heart so that you can realize what matters most is people. Yeah. And that you matter to him. But that also your neighbor matters as well. So I want to talk to you about sacrifice, and I want to take you to the scripture in the Bible where there's this moment where God asked a particular individual, his name is Abram at the time, and it's found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. If we can stand in the reading of God's word, this will be our launch text for today. I want us to be able to listen to these words because it's important for us to understand. So it's Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. I'll be reading from verses 1 through 4. And it reads like this. Now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I said earlier that you're going to give up something good for something great. You're going to be giving up something good for something great because the great is the intimacy with God, the promise of God in your life, that I will never forsake you, I will never abandon, I will be with you always to the end of the earth. Amen? So, so we have to be mindful that God is not absent from the situations that we're in. God is not absent from the moments where we find ourselves suffering or struggling or, or, or in situations where we're saying, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I'm going to trust you. And, and what happens here, this is the great. What, what you have to see here with Abram, by the way, later on he becomes Abraham because in the middle, God changes his name. Now, you have to be mindful of this because when God met you, you had a name. And uh, I'm not talking about Mary or Mark. I'm talking about Tecato and Flaco and Loco. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those names that you picked up along the way that identified what you were doing. Right? Like, like, like in, in, when I grew up in Puerto Rico, those things were happening. Like, it wasn't like, you know, at the Juan, they would say Juan el Loco. And then you say, okay, I know who it is, right? Because there's a lot of Juans, but when you said that, it identified who it is. So there was a name that you had that when you come to Christ, you no longer have it. Now you're a child of God. Now you're a Christian. Now you're a follower of God. Hopefully you'll be a woman of God and a, and a, and a man of God. That's the greatest compliment you could ever receive. Somebody would look at you and say, you have to be a woman of God. You have to be a man of God because your character reflects that. Your light shines. You're salt of the earth. You're walking in a way. You're acting in a way that people look at you and say, there's something different about you. Everybody over there is crazy, but you're not. What's going on? 
And it's because of what happened to you. But this is the great. The great is this. He tells him this. I'm going to make you a great nation. Your name is going to be great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so much that the families of the earth shall be blessed. Listen to me. The promise that's made to him is so far reaching that that's the reason we're here today. Yeah, you didn't get that one. Historically, if it were not for Abram listening to God, and if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you will see that he made this hall of faith. His name is up there. He was considered righteous because he obeyed God. God told him to, listen to what it says, get out of your country. That's where I live. You're kidding me. You want me to leave my people? Yep. It tells him, leave your family. Are you kidding me? Leave my family? Leave your father's house. I said, okay. This is getting a little too far. And then it says, I will show you. Now, it's not like he's showing him now. Because I don't know you. I want to see where I'm going before I go. Right? That's his faith. So the promise and the great is that God is going to use his life to bless everyone. Everybody see that? Because that word all means all. It means everyone. Right? And a little further in Genesis chapter 22, we're going to see the sacrifice that he's asked to make. Because Lent is a time to open the doors of our hearts a little wider, to understand our Lord a little deeper. So don't take this as ashes and penitence and fasting and I'm going to give up, you know, chocolate or I'm going to give up beer or I'm going to give up smoking. And that's all great if you're giving it up, but know why you're giving it up. You're giving it up for a greater intimacy with God. You're not giving it up and suppressing it and waiting for the 41st day so you can binge. Come on now. Y'all quiet up in here. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Again, Lent is an opportunity for us to really meditate on what the Lord did for us on the cross. Again, I say this because I'm always concerned about conversion. I'm always concerned about when you met Jesus. I'm always concerned about when it happened for you. And I have this conversation with my men regularly about do you remember when you said yes to Jesus Christ? Do you remember that day? Because you remember your anniversary. You remember your birthday. You know, you remember when your check comes. Like you remember all these things, right? But do you remember that moment? Because something happened in me when I said yes to Jesus. And something happened in you when you said yes to Jesus, when it was genuine, when it was a desire you have to move forward and come to Christ, not because it was a club, not because your friends were doing it, not because you wanted to date that girl that was sitting in the front row of the church. That's not why. Conversion is when you meet Jesus Christ. And we have to meditate on what he's done for us on the cross. Listen, the Bible says that all sins were nailed to that cross past, present, and future. Does it mean that we were out sin? Well, if you follow what I'm saying is that we're sinners who are supposed to sin less. Come on, you didn't get that one, right? You're stuck on Romans 3.23 for, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. When you mess up, that's the one you quote. That's the one you love to quote. You know? And then you add to it. I'm not perfect. You know, we know you're not perfect. Look at that nose on you. Look at the ears on you. You're not perfect. Okay? Here. You know, I'm, you know, my nose is what it is, <laughs> right? But think about these things, because if we don't think and meditate on the cross, the beauty of it, not only were all sins, but it says all manner of sickness. 
Diseases and infirmities were nailed to that cross. So who's our healer? Jesus. Jesus Christ is our healer. Now God uses men and gives them the wisdom, but even doctors that I speak to, they say, I've done all that can. The rest is up to God. And they're not even believers. But they say, listen, we've done all we can. Pray. Pray now. I'm serious. They're not even believers. I said, well, you're telling us to pray. What do you believe in? Eh, I don't believe it. <laughs> but they know going to school to honor the beliefs of people that they're treating. Because ultimately, you can put medicine in me, but God is the one that will give me the healing. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Praise God. So let's go to Genesis chapter 22 because we have to see there's a sacrifice that he has to make, right? There is something good he has to give for something greater. The greater is the promise that God is going to use him to bless the world. Amen? So because we're all sons of Abraham. Everybody understands that? All this conflict that's going on in the world. I wish people would go back. I don't care if you call him Ibrahim, Abraham, Abraham. The truth of the matter is that out of his loins came the blessing of we are today. Amen. Genesis chapter 22 verses uh, 1 through 4. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Tested Abraham. Now, we, we want to be clear on that word tested. And I, I say this all the time. Temptations come to us to try our training. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Temptations come to us to try our training. What's our training? Your prayer life, your fellowship, your accountability, your being in God's word. So when that temptation comes to your life, it's trying you bench pressing. It's trying you on the treadmill. It's trying you because if you're not in the gym, then you're going to succumb to temptation. Because temptation is not sin. When you act out on it, it becomes sin. Now, trials and tribulations come to test our faith. Or you say you believe in God? Let me pinch you to see if you believe in God. Let me poke you. Let me see uh, the situation you find yourself in. If you're going to cry because you don't have, or you're going to realize, I have it all because I have Jesus. Amen. Come on now. Yes. Amen? So, so, so it, it, he says, okay, so God tested him and said to Abraham, he said this. He said, so Abraham responded, here I am. And then in verse 2 it says, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Now, I find this to be odd when it comes to the grammar and the semantics of the word because he said his only son. Now, I'm not sure, the, again, it wasn't his only son. He had another son, Ishmael, right? Through the handmaiden of his wife, Hagar. We, we, when we preach about it, we talk about the son of the flesh and the son of the promise, right? Where he hurried himself and his wife made him sleep. You know, with Hagar, of course, he didn't resist, you know, but that's what happened. Ishmael was born, and there was a conflict that occurred there, but he says, I want you to take Isaac, because that's a son of promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you through Isaac. So he says, your only son, who you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you now. There's something called foreshadowing in the Bible, and I'll explain what it is. It's an event, right, that's indicating a future event. I'm going to read this again. I want you to give your only son, 
Isaac. I want you to give up your only son and sacrifice him on a mountain. And you guys don't have your spiritual caps on. <laughs> Let, let's do this again. Okay. So foreshadowing is an event that points to a future event. There was an only son, an only begotten son. Are you, are you tracking now? You with me? And there was an only begotten son who was sacrificed on a mountain. Right? Everybody with me? Right? So this is foreshadowing. This is showing us something that's going to indicate a future event. Amen? So, so, so this is, again, this is the good. He's asking him to sacrifice his son for what? For something greater. The greater is the intimacy. The greater is the trust in God. Because as you read the story and you go further in the story, God doesn't let him sacrifice his son. God doesn't allow him to do it. And what he says further on, this is the beauty of it, man. In, in verses 9 through 10, it talks about, you know, I, he tells him to stop. In verse 12, he says, stop, don't do it. He intervenes. And what he tells him, he says, now I know that you will never withhold anything from me. What is it that you're withholding from God? What is it that you're not letting God touch? What part of your heart have you not given them access to? Because there is this moment here where God spares Abraham's son, but he doesn't spare his own son. You see, there was this huge gap and, and this gap grew bigger and bigger historically because of this thing called sin. And on one side of this gap was you and me, and on the other side was God. And the thing that continued to grow was this gap, and this great gap that separated us from God and didn't give us access to God had to be resolved. And the only way it could have been resolved is by God giving of himself through the birth of his son, that he may die for us. I think about that for a moment. Jesus stood in that gap and made it possible now for us who are far from God, far from God, to draw near to him. That's the Lent season, guys. This time of Lent is your opportunity to forsake those things, to release those things, and draw closer to God with greater intimacy. If you're a social media junkie, stop. Give yourself a reprieve. You can't get your theology or build your relationship from Facebook or Instagram or any other app that you're on. You get it on your knees and on your face in solitude and quietness with God, setting an appointment throughout the day in which you're spending time with God. But I'm too busy, Pastor. Listen to me. There's that Mary Martha syndrome. 
right? If you know the story, right? Jesus comes to your house, right? If Jesus comes to your home, what's the first thing you're going to do? Come on, you're going to stash everything, right? You know, know, you're going to clean up, right? You know, if, if, you know, we're having guests over, my wife cleans the house like she's never cleaned it before. You know, and sometimes I trick her and tell her people are coming over, and, and she'll clean like crazy, right? But I'm telling you about, like, it's a thorough cleaning. I say, Mom, they're not going to look in the closet. She says, you never know. So everything gets cleaned. So the first thing you're going to do is clean. But then the next thing you're going to do is, for some of you, you may want to cook a great meal, right? When in the story of Mary and Martha, there was a moment there with Martha busied herself doing all these things, and Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Like if Jesus is coming to my house, I ain't doing nothing, but I'm going to sit at his feet. And that's what we're asking you to do during this Lent time. It's not busy yourself with the things that are going on around you, but to spend time in the presence of God and realize why you're giving this up. You're not giving it up simply because, oh, I don't want to do this no more. I want to lose some weight. I want to, no, no, listen to me. You're doing this because you're giving up something good for something greater. Do you understand that? Like this intimacy with God is the great thing. With, with Abraham, it was, he was challenged to give up something that he held dear and near, something that he clung to. And some of you are clinging to some things that are hindering your greater intimacy with God. And we're telling you today, this is an opportunity, a season which you don't gloss over. You just don't do it because everybody else is doing it. You're doing it with a greater concern. You're doing it with a greater uh, uh, reason now. I want to get closer to God. Like he is not far. You know, everybody thinks we have to search for him and find him. No, no, he's here. He's just waiting for you to stop doing all the things you're doing and be still. And, and, and guys, you've heard our pastor say numerous times in the very beginning, we set a timer for two minutes. Pray for everybody and still had a minute left. Like you grow in this thing and your prayers begin to change. And I've said this over and over again. Stop bringing to God your grocery list. Stop talking to God about what you need. He already knows what you need. You don't know what you need because you're asking him for things rather than him. I need more of him. I need more of him. Listen to me. We need more of him and less of this world. I need more of him and less of this world. We see this. We see this happening in in this story. And again, it's greater intimacy with God. That's the reward of sacrifice. The, The reward of this sacrifice is greater intimacy. His love and one's salvation is not relying on denying oneself certain things. That's not what we're saying here because we know that all those things are idolatry. I shared with you earlier, I've identified my thing. I'm grateful for the last two weeks because I've identified the idol that's connected to it. I've also identified how it's robbing me with time with God. And once we discover that, for you to keep doing it, that there's something wrong there. 
So, 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 so I want to move forward in these 40 days. I want to do that. I want to set aside praise and worship to the Lord. I want to read. I want to pray more. I want to move closer to God. And Christians who observe Lent correctly, they anticipate that. A deeper intimacy with the Lord. That's the blessing. I don't expect God to resolve my health. I just want more of him. Whether, whether my health is resolved or not. As Job was said, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came into this world, naked I'll leave. No matter what happens, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to thank God for what he's doing. I'm going to thank God for how he's acting in my life. Amen? Amen? So I'm not looking for favorable answers. But I do know this. That in this process of, of speaking to people and, and then they're saying like, 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 like with the children, right, who are giving up sweets for fruit. You know, I've asked the parents to let them understand that they don't need that. That there's a health, right, issue here. How they can grow. And then teaching them the devotionals of how Jesus, right, will provide for them what they need in their lives. So that's where we want to go in the next 40 days. Again, we want to help you with this. We don't want to leave you out there. Can you hold that up, brother? Let me see that for a moment. Everybody should have one of these. Right? And, and, and in week one, it was sacrifice. So there's a scripture, there's a memory verse, there's an action step. Next week, it's going to be about temptation. Next week that follows is going to be about repentance. The week that follows, about intercession. The week that follows is going to be generosity. And then the way forward. And then finally, our pastor will preach on Easter Sunday the message of hope. Message, listen to me. This is a great time. Like, like, I don't know about you, but this is a great time. Like, I, I'm excited about this season because I'm going deeper now. I'm, I'm going further. I hope that you who did not know what Lent was, today you have an idea what it is. And you understand, right? I, I had somebody over my house the other day, and, and um, they, you know, the kid happened to be Catholic. And, uh, you know, we were, we were doing tacos. It was taco, I don't know, taco Wednesday. I don't know. Right? I think it was Wednesday, right? No, it was Taco Friday. Yeah, it was Friday, right? And, and the kid was, he, he was, he had received a text from his mother who said, you know, we're, we're not eating meat today. <laughs> Everybody's eating tacos in my house. And I see this kid sitting down with his head down, and I'm saying, hey, man, what's going on? He says, I can't eat meat. I said, but it looks like you want to eat meat. Right? Like he didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing. It was a tradition his parents told him to do, but didn't explain to him. So this denial only suppressed his desires. Like seriously, this kid was going through it. Ten years old, and he's like, everybody's eating tacos. I can't have tacos. Right? I try to offer him, you know, put the rice in it, put the beans in it. He says, no, I can't. I said, no, there's no meat in it. Because he wanted me. He didn't understand why his parents told him he couldn't have me. And this is my concern here sometimes, that we do things traditionally, and we don't really understand, so we miss out. Listen to me. We miss out on the opportunity that it presents to us, not only to get free, to get delivered, to get healed, but to grow in greater intimacy with Jesus Christ. If you know the why, you know the what. 
If you know the why, you know the what. You really, you really begin to embrace that. Amen? And I want to close. So what do I do, Pastor? We've given you something to do on howbk.org. We'll give you access to it online. But if you're here, you can walk out with this, and you can begin to practice that as well. What I did was I prayed first. And I asked God to reveal that thing which is hindering greater intimacy with him, and he did. Didn't hesitate. It was immediate. Boom. I went through the list. That's the thing. That's the main thing. And I, com I committed it to God, and I asked God for help. I I'm, I'm in God's word. But I also want to leave us with this scripture. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11, Paul writes this. And it's been a cry of my heart every single day that I've come to the Lord. And it's this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Like the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead gives me a solid ground to stand on in these tumultuous times. You see, our God is so faithful that the very spirit that lifted Jesus out of the grave is the same spirit that dwells within me today because Jesus said, he promised, right? The promise of the Father said, I'm going to give you one like me to dwell within you to help you live out this life that you cannot live out because your flesh is what you fed all your life. Come on now. Some of you are still 60-40 here. You decide what 60-40 you're doing. And I got to tell you something, the one you feed the most will decide how you respond, how you act, how you interact, how you worship, and what you worship. Based on the greater intimacy you have and do not have. Monty, can you make your way to the mic? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Listen to me. When it says fellowship of his sufferings, it talks about being equated with his sufferings, meaning this, and I'll close with this. We're all going to suffer, and we all have suffered. And if you think coming to Christ that you're going to be suffering exempt, that you're going to get like this card that says, I'm not supposed to suffer, right? And you're going to flash it. No, listen to me. I suffer now gracefully. Like before when I suffered, I was crazy trying to find a remedy, a solution. Like I go through my Rolodex and try and Rolodex. I just, I just age my, I just age myself, right? I would go through my Rolodex. Anybody know what that is? Okay. So, so I would go to my Rolodex and see who I was going to call, right, for help. You know who I talked to for help today? That's it. And I got to tell you something. It, it, there are Christians who are in tune with God. And because people are praying for me, God moves in people's lives to provide the help that I need. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Anybody ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? Anybody seen It's a Wonderful Life? Jimmy Stewart is an old movie, right, black and white, in which he, you know, complains about he should have never been alive and anything like that. But there's a moment, right, in, 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 the, in the movie, and again, it's just a movie, but it's so profound. Um, um, they're going to dispatch an angel to look out for him, right? And guys, you have to understand that angels are ministering spirits that God dispatches to help us in our time of need. It's in the word. I'm not making that up. That's what it is. 
But in the movie, it, 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 there's this line that, that, that says, it says, okay, um, the angel's name is Clarence. He says, Clarence, we're going to send you down. He says, why? Because there's someone praying for this one guy. Like everybody was praying because he was going through a hard time. And everybody was praying for this one guy. And I got to send help for him. Listen to me. God has not forgotten you. God is not absent. He's not on vacation. Right? Like he's not somewhere that he cannot, you know, be found. Listen to me. God is present in your life right now, this moment. More present than ever because you need more of him. What I'm telling you now and what we're helping you to do is how to draw near to him during this time. There are things that are hindering you. Let's give them up. I want you to come next week. I want you to be involved in this Lent devotional. I, I want to see the growth and the deliverance. I want to hear testimonies in this room about what God is doing in your lives as a direct result of you submitting and surrendering and understanding that this season affords us an opportunity of greater intimacy with the one who wants nothing more than to wrap his arms around you in the midst of whatever's going on in your life and remind you with a small, still voice, I love you. I'm for you. I will uphold you.